Welcome to episode number 36 of the Mastering Marriage Podcast, where our goal is to strengthen, unite, and restore your marriage. My name is Amanda Taylor, and together with my husband David, we are the co-founders of MendOurMarriage.com. And our goal is to break the back of divorce by bringing married couples together to be accountable, keep the passion alive, and destroy the hidden issues that try to rip marriages apart. And we are back in the booth today with me, of course, Amanda Taylor, and of course with my awesome husband, David Taylor. (laughs) Welcome, everybody. This is me. David Taylor. Hey, hey. And we're back for another action-packed, informative... Podcast. Podcast. Episode (laughs) number 36. Here we are. And um, this is going to be a good one because we have a very interesting topic that we're going to discuss today. Yes. And um, the goal is to drop some massive information bombs. Nuggets. uh, Because, right, the foundation of marriage has to be knowledge. Right. And so in order to help your your marriage grow stronger, we're going to provide you with a lot of knowledge. And this is going to be some really good stuff. So, um, but before we get started, I would first like to say a great big shout out to everybody who's been, you know, purchasing the book, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of people who've joined Mandy's, uh, private, uh, Facebook group for her book. Right. Um, just all of our new, you know, followers that we've new gotten. Family. Yeah. All of the new Mend Our Marriage family that we've like literally the tens of thousands of new Mend Our Marriage family members that we've gotten yes. on Facebook over the last like month. We just say a big shout out to all of you guys. Thank you. We thank you for, you know, following the movement of eradicating divorce or what, right. how we like to say breaking Break. the back of divorce. Snap, crackle, pop. There we go. So, um, I just want to say thank you, seriously, from the bottom of my heart, because uh, we wouldn't be able to do this without your support. Right. So, um, but also, this episode is brought to you on behalf of Motivated to Love, where you can go to motivated to, the number two, love.com to check out Mandy's uh, super uber popular book that's literally changing the face of marriage. Uh, it's huge. And we, we like to thank you for that support, you know, yes, but yes. motivated to love is, is, I mean, it's, it's blowing up. Yes. We've gotten um, a lot of awesome feedback, a yeah. lot of great testimonies and victories. So just really blessed and yeah. humbled by that. It's weird that to know that, you know, this book is changing so many lives right. and marriages. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like you said, baby, it is humbling, you know, it so is. we, we say thank you. We say thank you. But now let's move on to the, the juicy stuff, right? So. All right, you guys have heard of the movie called Why Did I Get Married? <laughs> and we've actually titled this podcast Why Did I Get Married? Um, it's not a shot at the movie, but at the same time, um, we're going to touch on some topics that may have risen up in the movie. But a lot of these topics that we're going to talk about today came from a lot of the feedback that we've been getting, getting from a lot of people on our uh, Facebook page, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so um, we're going we're gonna to spend some time talking about why in the heck did I get married? Why did you get married? Don't answer that. Don't answer. <laughs> Don't answer. It. Um, wow. But you'll be surprised. You'll be surprised to know. So, so before I start, I just want to ask everybody, all of the listeners out there, why did you get married? I want you to ask yourself that question, and I want you to come up with an answer. I don't want you to answer it out loud right now, but just come up with an answer. Why did you get married? And uh, so let's dive in. So. 
pretty much since September, uh, we've found that we have had the luxury of personally working with tons and tons of couples and have been fortunate to serve thousands, literally thousands of people through our podcast, our website, and our services. Um, we have a an extraordinary amount of you know, people that we've been coaching, uh, we love those people. You know, we, we, we're fighting for them, with them. Yes. Um, and, but we've learned so much about marriage and about the difficulties that, you know, marriages are having. Right. And there. the different struggles, the unique struggles. Very unique struggles. I mean, we can, we're not going to tell you the story, but we right. got a, we got a message today and it was, it was very unique. Right. To say the least, mm -hmm. in terms of what the, this particular spouse is struggling with. Right. And I mean, sometimes, <laughs> you know, some of us are going through some things and we, we just don't know what other people are going yeah. through, yeah. you know, yeah. and, and, and that definitely brings you, Back down to earth. Yeah, and just know that you're not alone, right? You're not alone. But I, I was saying this to say that we've learned so much about marriages over the last few months with uh, Mend Our Marriage. Uh, so much more than I've learned even just working in my private practice with marriages right. um, as a profession. Um, and the information that we discuss in today's podcast is rare. So I'm just going to, I'm not tooting our horn, but I'm just going to say that you probably won't hear this type of information from a lot of mainstream relationship, quote unquote, marriage experts. Okay. Um, so you're not going to hear a lot of people talk about what we're going to talk about today. Uh, but because of this, some people will reject this type of information. Okay. So I'm just going to say this at, at the top. Some of you guys will probably reject what we're, we're about to say. Um, you know, because it's going to co contradict a lot of the popular, you know, quote unquote, common things that feel most people good talk messages. Yeah, the feel good messages. And so we're going to, we're going to be kind of crushing a lot of those stigmas. Uh, but just, just, I say open your mind, okay? So and today, yeah, open your mind and your heart, because today I want to share with you why most people get married, including yourself. So why you got married, okay? <laughs> and why we got married. And why we got married. Yeah, this is interesting. So this question is often not asked until your marriage is starting to go south. Right. Mm -hmm. And you probably if your marriage started out healthy, you you didn't ask this question. You probably didn't even think about it. But the moment your marriage started to shift for the worst, I guarantee you started to ask, dang, why the heck I get married to this person? Mm -hmm. I know I asked it. I was like, why? The, why in the world did I get married to I Mandy's big old head? <laughs> I was <laughs> I asked I was, it myself. Hey, her head huge. Why I get married? No, I'm joking. I I'm asked joking. why I got married to drill sergeant. <laughs> <laughs> oh, oh, OK. But anyway. Anyway, I, I, I had that one coming. That was good. That was a good one. You, that was back in the day, baby. Did you script though. that one? You must have scripted. No, I you didn't. You put some work in on that one. But anyway, so, <laughs> but think about it. Most people are either too enamored by the Cloud Nine experience that they aren't currently like thinking about that question, or you're too obsessed with trying to recapture that Cloud Nine experience. And as a result, the answer to this very important question will often go overlooked for the entire duration of your marriage. Now imagine that. Being married, and you don't even know why you got married. Right. Like, that's crazy. And it took time for Mandy and I to even think about why we got married. Like, why the heck did we get married to each other? Was it because there was such great chemistry at the beginning? Was it because she was looking thick and I, you know, I wanted a piece of that? I mean, what, what was the reason, right? I'm just, <laughs> just being honest, right? What, what uh -huh. was it? What was the reason? You know, so, so for instance, okay, let's, let's do some for instance stuff real fast. For instance, most people will, ex will accept like working for a low-paying, high-stress job because of fear. But mm -hmm. they'll never admit that it's fear that's keeping them on their job. Even though they hate their job, they don't like their boss, Jerry, right? Sorry, if Jerry, you listening. <laughs> <laughs> don't, don't, no hard feelings. But just saying, most people 
will accept working for a job they hate, even though it's because of fear. And they're not aware of that. Now, they may say that it's they're staying on their job so that, you know, they don't want to get, you know, broke or have not, you know, they want to be able to provide, right? But they're not going to stay say they're staying on their job because of fear. What they'll most likely say is that they're staying on their job to pay the bills, to work up to maybe one day run the organization or company, right? Or to take care of their kids, right? You know, I'm trying to provide. I'm a provider, right? So that's why I'm working. Uh, but really, it's because of fear and the fear of losing security, right? I was actually uh, talking to one of my good friends, and I'm not going to name names, but um, and he was saying how... Right now, I was kind of sharing with him some of the success that Mandy and I have had with our entrepreneur endeavors. And he was saying how, you know, because of, you know, his kid situation, it's difficult for him now to take the risk of pursuing something that he's more interested in doing. So he almost feels forced to stay on the job. Mm-hmm. And it's really a fear, right? Mm-hmm. And actually, he even called it out. He even said that I don't want to take a decrease in pay. Mm-hmm. Which you know, often most entrepreneurs have to take in the beginning to right. get to really, really what, where they really want to be. I got that that got twisted. That's all right. But anyway, but it's it was because of that fear of losing the security, the fear of not being able to find a healthy alternative that will compensate their current financial position. Mm-hmm. And as a result, they stay bound by fear. But they'll never say it's fear mm-hmm. because they haven't done enough for the self awareness homework or the introspection to right. really find out the why. Right. And I often tell my clients, the why is the most important question that you have to answer about life. And some why? people work because that's all they know and that's all they've seen modeled. You work hard, you get paid, yeah. you don't quit. Exactly. Yeah. You know, so. So in the same vein, most people don't truly know why they got married, right? Exactly. So, so Mandy, what, what are some common excuse, I mean, reasons, <laughs> what are some common reasons that you have heard people use after being asked why they got married? Give us some common, really, you know, generic things that we've heard. I mean, of course you have the, of course you have the, you know, I got married because I was in love. That's going to be the, you know, one of the biggest things. You know, I was in love. This person had everything I was looking for. I had my standard, you know, these were my standards. These were my expectations and they met them all. Mm. You know, I married them because we were best friends and they couldn't do any wrong, Mm. you know. Or some people even said they got married because they had children and they thought that was the best thing to do and get married for the children. I heard that one. So yeah. um, there are definitely a lot of different things that that people have outlined to yeah. me. Yeah. Those are those are a few examples. And here's the funny part: all of those reasons sound legitimate, but most of them are false, right? Or at least they're the surface reason. But if you dig a little deeper and you really start peeling back the layers of the why, you'll find a lot more information. Right. Here's the harsh reality of why people get married. So you guys ready for this? You're like, so, so if you're running on the treadmill, you, you drive in, pay close attention because this is going to be some nice, juicy nuggets. Here's the harsh reality of why people get married. So for many of us, okay, most people marry to meet their personal and often subconscious needs. Mm. You get that? So. Excel all the stuff that Mandy was just saying. I'm, 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 I'm getting married because I love this person or I'm getting married because we have such great chemistry or we have kids and, or we want to have a nice family. No, no, no. Most people, 99% of people get married to meet their own personal and often subconscious needs. And if I can interject, interject there, and this is going to really kind of hit, this may hit a lot of us, 
But especially in the Christian community, I think a lot of people get married so they can have sex. Interesting. So at the core of it, ask yourself if being a Christian, if you could be a Christian and still just have sex without being married, I wonder how many people would have gotten married. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I won't build my point on that because, I mean, that's that's a segment of the population. But yes, it's a good question to ask. Well, no, yeah. I mean, but a lot of, <laughs> yeah. I know a lot of our listeners are in the Christian community. Oh, yeah. But that's that's you know, that's not something that people like to talk about. Sure. But that is one yeah, one yeah. example. That That's definitely one example. And, and the big picture is most people, like I said, get married to meet their personal and often subconscious needs. Now, you have to realize subconscious needs are needs that you may not be aware of. They're the guiding force of your life, the things that motivate you to make the decisions and the choices that you make, okay? And we're going to talk a little bit about that. We're going to do some psychology today because that's my forte. Uh, but just remember, most people marry to meet their own personal needs, mm -hmm. okay? Mm -hmm. For many of us, our childhood was marred with traumatic incidents that left wounds that as adults we're still protecting and recovering from. Okay, I'm going to say that again. As children, right, when we were during our childhood, many of us went through traumatic situations that as a result left wounds that now as adults we are still protecting and recovering from. Mm -hmm. Now, if you know what I mean when I say protecting a wound, right? If you fall and scrape your knee, you're going to cover that thing up because you don't want it to be hit again, right? Mm -hmm. That's that's what I mean by protecting your wound. And then obviously recovering means that you you haven't healed quick. Uh, I guess completely from it. Yeah, I got stuck on that word. <laughs> you haven't you haven't healed completely from it. So, but even if you were fortunate enough to escape such serious traumatic childhoods like sexual or physical or emotional abuse, uh, divorce, or the death of a parent, there are still unseen scars that have their origin in your childhood. So, for instance, me, I grew up through divorce. And multiple divorces, mm -hmm. four divorces to be exact. Mm -hmm. Mandy grew up through divorce and abuse, right? Mm -hmm. Sexual abuse, mm -hmm. if I if I could be specific. And so imagine, imagine, neither one of us went to counseling for any of those traumas, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. I didn't go to counseling uh, because I had daddy issues. And Mandy didn't go to counseling because of, you know, the divorce, how its effect on her, as well as the sexual trauma that she went through. Mm -hmm. No, none of it. So imagine we get wounds at that age and then we grow with those wounds. Now those issues don't go away. Right. Just because we age out, sort of, uh, sort of speak, those issues age with us. They don't disappear just because we get older. Mm -hmm. They become adult problems, right? Think about it. You know, so and it's, it's amazing because most people aren't aware of that. They know they went through it, but they don't draw a connection between their past and their present. Mm -hmm. And so the, today's episode is really going to focus a lot on that. You know, so consider this. From the very moment that you were born, you were a complex and dependent creature with a never-ending cycle of needs. Okay? And I don't, not creature in the sense that you were like a fish or something like that. I mean, like, you know, a human being. But you were a complex and dependent thing, human being, with a never-ending cycle of needs. Right? And just even as a parent, think about your kids. When they first were born, they had, I mean, everything was a need. Everything right. was need-based. Right. Right? When they was hungry, they, they, they cried. When they peed on themselves, they cried. When they pooped. They cried when they was agitated. They cried when they was teething. They, I mean, sleepy. sleepy. I mean, everything was need based. And often when you came, 
right? Let's say they were crying because they were just a little agitated and they needed some some touch, you know, some physical touch. When you came and you consoled your baby, it helped them. Mm-hmm. Now, imagine the times that you weren't able to make it, either because you were dealing with another kid or you were dealing with your own issues or something like that. When that need was not met, it created a void, right? Now, there's no such thing as a perfect parent, right? No matter how devoted you are or how attentive you were, and, and even our parents, think about your parents. There's no such thing as a, per, a perfect, flawless parent. So if you think about it, there's no parent. No parent is able to respond flawlessly to all of the changing needs that we have as children. Right. And every time a need was not met, a deficit or a void was created. Or even overcare. Yeah. Or it was met to the point where it was enabled, right? A deficit or a void was created. Or think about it like this. Every time a need was not met or it was enabled, which means it was given too much, then a habit or a behavior was formed, right? Mm -hmm. And it is these voids, these behaviors, these habits, whatever you want to call them, I'll call them voids. It is these voids that influence our habits and, more importantly, they influence our spousal preference. Mm-hmm. So if you just missed it, I just connected your childhood with your preference for your spouse. Mm-hmm. If you missed it, don't worry. I'm about to break this down. Okay? So, But just think about it. When you were young, you came, you were born with a certain set of needs. There's no such thing as a perfect parent. So at some point throughout the, throughout the process of your development, those needs, some of your needs went unmet. For me, it was the need to have a healthy father figure in the household. Right. That was a massive need for me. That need went unmet. And so as a result, I developed certain voids and certain habits because I had to overcompensate for what I didn't have. Let me explain. So as adults, here's here's the funny part. Okay. now, some people may rebuke me for this, but this is interesting. As adults, we often seek out from others the needs that were never met in our childhoods. Think about that. Mm -hmm. So. As adults, your grown self, (laughs) you will often seek out from others the needs that were never met in your childhood. We often, and here's, it gets even deeper. We often pick our spouses based on their ability to meet our needs that were never met or catered to when we were children. Mm. Think about that. Deep. Yeah, deep. Like the Atlantic Ocean deep. (laughs) Like, we often pick our spouses based on their ability to meet our needs, and particularly the needs that were never catered to when we were children. Amazing. And all of this is a subconscious process, because we aren't fully aware of what's driving us. It's only when you're aware of what's driving you that you can change the course, right? So, that's amazing. So, so think about this. I know that you may initially feel offended by that statement, but I guarantee that if you were to stop, long enough to think about this, you would find that this is very, very accurate. It's true. Here's my personal example, okay? I get to be a little bit more honest with y'all, okay? So just don't judge me. Pray for me. Before you judge me, pray for me. Okay? You going to pray for me, Mandy? I always do. always do. Thank you, baby. I appreciate that. I love prayer. But anyway, here we go. So y'all, y'all know my story now. I did not grow up with a father in the home. I had a couple stepdads. But I did not have a healthy, positive male role model. What did I stutter? Yeah, I was getting sad. It, I was getting choked up. <laughs> anyway, I did not have a positive, healthy male role model in the household. I didn't see a healthy, emotional man. I didn't see a healthy, emotional husband. I didn't see an example of what it meant for a husband 
to love his wife. I didn't see what it looked like for a man to maneuver through the emotions that men have. I didn't see any of that, right? So, so I didn't have that model in the household. I didn't have an example. And so I had to develop my own perception of what a man looked like, right? So imagine not having a dad created a void. That void has to be filled. Mm-hmm. And think of a void as a vacuum, an empty space that sucks everything into it. Mm-hmm. And the, the, uh, whatever fits in that spot will make it through it. So I had to then learn what manhood looked like. And I learned from a lot of my sister's boyfriends who were gangbangers. And I, I noticed that the guys that had the most money and the, the biggest muscles and a nice looking car, they were considered top dogs, alpha males, right? And, you know, if, if, if he, you know, talked a good game and, you know, talked trash and was able to get in somebody else's head to where, you know, he was above them, superior, then he was a man. And so I picked up a lot of those habits growing up and I did very well with them. I wasn't in the gang, but, you know, like just being able to be independent. I had my first job when I was 14, bought my first car cash when I was, what, 16, right? And, and I was a very independent guy. Um, and I took a lot of that mentality, a lot of those mentalities with me into all of my relationships. So I always thought and figured that the man was the head. The man was in control. You know, I, I developed a domineering personality because that's how I felt masculine, right? And I always looked to women to affirm my masculinity, right? I grew up around women. So it was only natural for me to affirm my masculinity through what I was more accustomed to, which was being around women. Mm. And so... In college, you know, always had a female friend or dating or flirting with someone because that's what that's what made me feel manly, mm-hmm. right? And even even up until me meeting my wife, I had certain mentalities and worldviews that developed out of me finding my own definition of masculinity, mm-hmm. and out of me developing my own definition of what a husband looked like. I developed that that information out of a void, and then I tried to hold my wife hostage to that picture of what I thought and I felt a marriage should look like. And as a result, there was a lot of conflict and clashing because there's nobody that can meet the picture or fit the picture that you created because you created that picture. Mm. And I had Mandy, I had her try to fit into some expectations that just wasn't her. And it was unfair to her. Mm-hmm. And it was, you know, unfair to the marriage. You know, and as a result, you guys know the, the story. We almost uh, resulted in divorce. Um, and that was me. That was me because I grew up needing something, never having it. And so I had to find ways to fill that void. And I had to find ways to compensate. Um, and so I say it this way. Once you know why you, why you marry your spouse, you can often figure out why your marriage is struggling. So once you know why you married your spouse, like the true why, not because it was cute and it had a big booty, but once you, sorry, was that too much information? I mean, hey. Just keep going. Keep going. <laughs> once you know why you married your spouse, you can often figure out why your marriage is struggling. Mm-hmm. Often, our marriages go south when an expectation that we had goes unmet. And when that expectation goes unmet, it triggers the same process that was triggered when your needs were unmet as a child. Okay, that may be, did you think that went over some people's head? That probably did. Okay, so so just think about this. David, me, I had some needs that went unmet as a child. And because of those needs being unmet, I developed certain ways of seeing women in relationships. I brought that expectation or that way of seeing relationships to my marriage. 
I had Mandy try to fit into that expectation. The moment she did not fit into that expectation of me uh, feeling masculine and affirmed, the moment she did not fit into that mode, it triggered the same issues that was triggered when I was young and I didn't have affirmation or I didn't have that person there to affirm me and tell me that I was good enough, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. And once that's triggered, all of a sudden, my defenses, my, the same reaction that I had when I was a little boy, it comes to the surface, but in a grown man form, if that makes sense. And y'all know what y'all mean. Y'all know what I mean. So, I mean, but th and this is deep. Think about it, guys. If very you, deep, very if, deep. If you suffered from rejection as a child, you had to learn to protect yourself, right? By default, by default, you developed certain behaviors, certain ways of thinking that shielded you from being rejected. Right. So imagine being the kid in, in elementary or middle school that nobody wanted to be friends with. So you were overly friendly and you always clung around the people that pushed you away because in your mind, they were saying that there was something wrong with you. Let's say, for instance, you went through being adopted, which we have some people that we work with that actually, you know, were adopted. And automatically they feel like there's something wrong with them. Exactly. Their parents didn't want them because of something wrong with them. Right. So they developed this whole rejection mentality that now propels them to act a certain way in any social setting. Right, and react a certain way. Yeah. And then when certain when those voids are left there or the needs are not met, mm -hmm. then again those triggers it's go triggered. off. Yep. So yep. what what they were suffering with and struggling with from childhood, they deal with as adults. Yeah. So 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 think about it. Like I said again, if you suffer from rejection as a child, you had to learn to protect yourself. By default, you developed certain behaviors, certain ways of thinking that shielded you from being rejected. As you grow, you will actively seek relationships that protect you from rejection while unintentionally seeking the very type of person that used to reject you in the first place. This is deep. Very. So think about this. As you grow up, right? So if you were rejected as a child, while you were growing, you actively seek relationships that protect you from being rejected while subconsciously or unintentionally seeking the very type of person that used to reject you in the first place. So imagine here's how in common day, here's what it really means. People that were rejected as children seek relationships where they still get rejected as adults. They don't do it on purpose, but they're constantly seeking that approval. So if I reject Mandy, which I used to, Mm -hmm. She will constantly like seek out me because if in her mind, if she can just get my approval, then everything is okay with her right. because she's already taken it personal when I reject her because of what happened in the past. Mm -hmm. So she's already assuming that there's something wrong with her. That's, that's the reason why I'm rejecting her. And so she's going to continue to come after me, pursue me, even though I continue to reject her. It's this vicious cycle, right? And imagine, think about your marriages as I'm talking, guys. Think about how this is going and how this is working in your relationship, right? As you grow, you will actively seek relationships that protect you from rejection while unintentionally seeking the very type of person that used to reject you in the first place. Mm -hmm. The result is that you find yourself eventually marrying someone who rejects you. And as a result, you will stay in the same cycle of coping behaviors that you did or that you had when you were developing as a child. Until you expose those and you actually get healing mm -hmm. and really face up to yes. them. And this stuff, I mean, we can go on and on, but I know I'm trying to keep this to 30 minutes. Uh, but just, just imagine how paramount this information is for you guys. Mm -hmm. If you could just 
open your eyes to the connection between your past and your present. Why you actually got married and why you are the way you are in your marriage. Mm -hmm. Often we blame our spouses for our issues. Right. It's because our spouses will always trigger the things that we hide the most. Mm -hmm. My skeletons that's in my closet, my wife is going to expose. And I'm going to blame her, though, for my skeletons being exposed. I'm going to say that it's her fault mm -hmm. when really it's my fault because I've been hiding them. Right. And often in marriages, that's what happens is we have these expectations for our spouse, these unfair and infinitely unmet expectations, because we develop the picture of what our our spouse is supposed to look like. We develop the picture of what our marriage is supposed to look like, not us, me. And then when I give Mandy the picture of who she's supposed to be for me to be satisfied and she doesn't meet that picture, then I get un I get unhappy with her. And guess what I say? I don't want to be with you no more. Why did I get married? I don't want to be with you no more. You are not who you used to be. Right. And that's exactly what I told my wife. Right. She was not who she used to be when we first met. Right. And it was it was unfair for her for me to say that to her. And it was unfair for her to hear that and go through the emotional and mental anguish that she went through. Because I knew I was rejecting her. And she kept coming. And, I mean, thank, thankfully, she kept coming for the right reasons because she was motivated to love. You see what I just did? <laughs> I plugged that book. But um, that, but that's amazing to think about how many marriages are going through this exact same process. As a matter of fact, I have not met a marriage yet that's not that hasn't gone through this similar process. Exactly, yeah. Of bringing expectations to the relationship from their past experiences and trying to make their spouse fit into that picture. And this stuff isn't talked about. You know, we don't learn this stuff when we're growing up. You know, we learn just from our culture, from our surroundings that you go, you emote first and then you react. Mm. You react off of how you feel. Mm -hmm. You know, yeah. TV tells us that our, our surroundings, our culture, you know, we, we see it in our homes when we're growing up, you know, different things. And, yeah. you know, that's and it's sometimes hard to unlearn that unless you really are willing to. Be honest. To be honest. And be vulnerable and transparent. Yeah. And to admit that you did bring some. Here's a breakthrough we had with one of our coaching clients. And it, it, it literally, like, made my day. I was speaking with the husband one-on-one. -on -one, and I was sharing with him this same concept of how, because he was talking about how he's not happy with his wife. His wife is moving at a different speed than he is. And da-da-da-da. And she used to be, you know, you know, this gung-ho person. But, I mean, it sounds just like I used to say to Mandy. You know, but then she changed and became this other person that's not strong and, you know, not strong-willed and everything. And I, and I introduced him to this topic. And I was like, you know, your expectations that you have from your wife came from a place of lack from a void it came from a picture that you developed of your mother that you wanted your mom to be because she wasn't that person and you know that it came from a place of trauma and imagine you're holding your wife to a standard that came from a place of trauma it's, it's a, a, yeah a place it's, of perfection yeah it's, it's impossible for her to meet that mm -hmm. because you created a perfect picture of what you want a wife to be because you didn't have that in the mom mm -hmm. and when he heard that he was like oh my gosh, I have to go and apologize to my wife. And I was like, dude, if I could reach through the phone and high five you and bro hug you, I would. Because that's huge for you as a husband, as a grown dude, you know, grown burly dude to say, I need to go and apologize to my wife. You've had that breakthrough with, with Jesus, other couples yes, too, yes. too. And it seems like the husbands, the husbands for some are, reason, yeah. the lights are turning on immediately. Yes. And they're just like, oh my goodness. So I let, never your, husband, let like your husband listen to this if, if he needs to. Mm -hmm. But this is, the, and it gets deeper. But like I said, we're about to 
Yeah, we're over 30 minutes. <laughs> so I apologize. But in any case, guys, this is this is what we talk about. This is the stuff that we deal with in uh, Mend Our Marriage. Right. And, and, and also in our program, Mendes 90, which I'll talk about in a minute. But um, we're all about really helping the foundation of your marriage. And this information, I promise you, if you apply it, it works. It's fall. It's fail-proof. Did I say that right? Fail-proof, mm-hmm. yeah. It's fail-proof. How about I say fall-proof? <laughs> I don't know what that means. But anyway, it's fail-proof. And so just know that knowledge is the most important component of your marriage. If you need to re- rewind this and listen to it again, listen to it again, because there's some stuff in here that I promise you, if you apply, will change your marriage. It yes, really will. Yes. It really will. So let's transition because I, I, I could stay here forever, but uh, we may have to do a Why Did I Get Married too. <laughs> like the movie. You <laughs> see what funny. I did? I see. Well, man. we might have to do that for real. Okay. So I, I want to hear from, give me some feedback, y'all, if y'all want to hear the rest of this, because this gets deeper. Uh, why did I get married too? <laughs> uh, but anyway, let's transition to, because let's conclude. I, I have somebody that I want to pray for in a minute. But before we do, I want to share with you guys uh, something. Um, I want to I want to talk to you guys a little bit about Mendes 90 and what's coming up. We're literally about to open up registration. I'm going to tell you the day in a minute. We're going to open up registration this week. And we only got space for 50 couples. And we're going to be working directly with these 50 couples. Uh, we're going to be providing webinars where we get to do face-to-face interaction with them, uh, coaching calls. Uh, we got a, a, a um, healthy marriage toolkit where we're going to be providing interviews from other married couples who are healthy and doing very well, and also interviews from people who are divorced so that we can learn what not to do. I mean, we, we got, we're going to have interviews from couples who have kids, you know, that, that how, how do you maintain a healthy marriage and still parent effectively, mm-hmm. which comes first, marriage or parenting. Right. Um, I mean, we got, wow, we got 90 days of just juicy, deep, jam packed, jam packed. <laughs> and when I say jam packed, we got a lot to give you. And a out. lot. And so, but this is only reserved for 50 couples because it's only, uh, it's only two of us. So we, we don't, we, I don't know if we can handle, maybe after this, after this cohort, if we can see we can handle more, we'll accept more. Right. But right now we only have, we have the lid placed on 50 right. and, um, registration opens on Friday, March the 20th. So that's a couple of days and we're going to be accepting early bird registration at a reduced rate. And then the rate will go up after the week, after the first week of early bird registration. But here's what I want to say. Actually, you know what? I want you guys to hear a testimonial from one of our alumni from our previous Mendes 90 program. Yes. Um, I want you to hear what he has to say um, about the program. And then after you're done listening, um, we'll conclude the show. So here's here's one of our past uh, members. Mendes 90 is not just a program designed for those whose marriages may be on the brink of divorce, but it's a program designed for those who are interested in gaining specific knowledge on how they can become better at loving their spouse. It's a program designed for those who are interested in becoming better communicators within their marriage. It's a program designed for those individuals who are interested in just maintaining the level of love that they have with their spouse. It was through this program, the weekly calls, the homework, that my wife and I had the opportunity to learn more about each other. We had the opportunity to increase our communication. We had the opportunity to work out our issues within the syllabus that was presented by David and Amanda. I highly recommend this program. If you're interested in updating and taking your marriage to a new level, this program is for you. 
It's almost like driving in your vehicle. Even though your check engine light comes on, even though your oil light comes on, it doesn't necessarily mean something is wrong with your car. It just simply means that maintenance is required. This program is just that. It is a program designed to help you maintain your marriage. It's also a program designed to help make sure that your marriage does not fail. Again, I highly recommend Mendes 90. It is a program that's for you and your spouse. Okay, so I'm, I'm glad you guys were able to listen to what he had to say. Um, and we didn't pay him for that. <laughs> he, he said that out of the kindness of his heart. Um, but those are the type of uh, comments that we've been getting back from our, you know, from our past members. Um, oh, and here's the beauty of Mendes 90. You get lifetime access to the program. Exactly. So all the videos that we're going to be having, the tutorials, the, the webinars, all the stuff that we continually add every single year, literally every single month, actually, you'll have lifetime access to that. So your marriage will never be left alone. Right. Because that's one of the biggest things we also found that people struggle with is having somebody that they can be accountable to. Yeah, marriage and maintenance. Marriage and maintenance. So now you have lifetime access to Men Does 90. Mm -hmm. So once you join, you're in it for life, which means that once the 90-day process is over, you still have access to all of the videos, to all of the trainings, to all of the interviews, all of the stuff. You can also join any of the coaching calls, any of the webinars, all of that. And so, so just that, that, but, but you'll find all that out on the website. Okay. So registration opens Friday, March the 20th. Um, and I'm going to be sending out an email to those who are on our email list. We're going to be publishing it on Facebook, but we only have room for 50, unfortunately. Mm -hmm. So if you're, if you, but if you're interested, if you know you're interested and you know I'm speaking directly to you and your husband, it has to be both you and your husband joining the program. Okay. And so, but it's only one cost for both members. So you don't have to worry about paying twice, but we're only accepting 50 couples. And if you're interested, I want you to do me a favor. Email me as soon as you're done listening to this. So email me at david at mendourmarriage.com. David at M-E-N-D-O-U-R-M-A-R-R-I-A-G-E.com. And just say, hey, I want to be on the early bird list. And that way I'll reserve your name and your slot so that when we open up registration, I'll email you directly so that you can go ahead and get registered yes. um, and be part of the fam. But I'm telling you, this is something that you don't want to miss. Exciting. But yeah, I know it's, it's, it's going down. Um, I'm sad that we can only do 50 this time, but we, we'll, we may grow it later. But yeah. in, in any case, you'll hear more about that on the email and you can check out Facebook, our page for all that. Um, but we're, we're going to wrap up here. And I want to pray for Angela. Angela, I spoke on the phone with Angela about a week or so back, and she was just pouring her heart out to us um, or to me about, you know, a lot of what's going on. And, you know, we gave her some advice and things like that. Um, but I told her that we'll give her a shout out on the air. So everybody who's listening, you know, just join in because there's strength in the multitude of prayer right now. And yes, we could just is. touch and agree. Um, and so I'm going to pray and then we'll be done. So, Father God, we just bless you and thank you. Yes. Um, number one, we thank you for the opportunity to be able to just pray on air yes. <laughs> on our podcast yes. um but number two we pray for angela we pray for her marriage yes, we sir. pray for her financial situation yes, um her kids we pray for her and her spouse yes, um sir. i pray god that you give her strength uh that you give her wisdom that you mm -hmm. give her motivation that you mm -hmm. give her endurance um i know like how mandy talks in her book about being motivated to love and obviously what you know what your word says is that love is long-suffering and so sometimes yes. you may have to go through a rocky period and i just pray god that you give her the motivation and the, the conditioning to go through that, this rocky period mm -hmm. and to come out 
without any blemishes. Yes. And we thank you, Father God, for just giving her favor. We declare no weapon formed against her shall prosper. Yes. No weapon formed against her marriage shall prosper. Yes. And we stand right now on the forefront fighting against divorce. And so we stand even to help her and give, give us wisdom and strength to even help her, Father God. Mm -hmm. But uh, we just thank you. We bless you. We give you all the glory, honor, and praise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Guys, it has been a pleasure to speak in your earbuds. Yes. Uh, we thank you. I know we dropped some heavy bombs, so go back and listen to it again. Email yeah. us if you have any questions. Yeah, if you have questions. I can't wait to hear about, you know, everybody that's interested in Mendes 90. Uh, but we're done, guys. Until next time. All right. Deuces. Deuces.